Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Crillo. Today we have Taylor Lote. Taylor has partnered in over $50 million of multifamily and self-storage investments as both a general partner and as a passive investor through retirement accounts. He invests remotely and never deals directly with tenants. So thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to talk with you again. It's been a couple of weeks since uh, we record your interview uh, for my show, and it's a pleasure to get to sit down with you, you know here in the spring. Yeah, it's great to connect again. So give us a little background, Taylor, on your prior life to uh, to investing in real estate. Sure. So um, like, a, like a lot of real estate investors out there, my background is in engineering. You know, I think we uh, are, I hate to say overrepresented in the in the real estate investing mm -hmm. space, but there, there are quite a few of us. I'm not sure precisely why I don't think we like numbers. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went to school for uh, chemical engineering and, you know, went, went straight to doing that and uh, realized pretty quickly, I think I always knew it in my heart that uh, I hate cubicles and uh, re realized I had to uh, find a way out mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, kind of plan for my future and how am I going to meet my uh, financial goals and through uh, over, over years of really digging into it. You know, I was I was gonna go the the typical route that you know I feel like many of us are are told to do, and go get additional schooling. I was gonna go to business school, get an MBA, and uh, as I was going through that process, took the test and and was preparing you know to start applying. I read this 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 book that troublesome little book that so many real estate investors have read, Rich Dad Poor Dad, and that totally turned the turned it, the the concept of going for more school around on me and I realized that you know that's not the way to meet my financial goals. I always liked real estate, but I never thought that it could be a way to really grow wealth, you know, mm -hmm. and, and meet my yeah. goals and um just you know dug more into it and decided that, you know, okay, that's what I want to do. I'm not gonna go for more schooling. I'm gonna go and invest and, and figure out uh, how to make it happen. Nice. So why did you choose real estate as your investment vehicle with how you're doing it now versus different? There's so many different ways of making money in real estate. I mean, obviously, if you're going to make wealth, the investing portion is more advantageous than others. But yeah, absolutely. So that's a great question. And I think for anybody out there who wants to invest in real estate, and if you're like me, you get this thing called shiny object syndrome, <laughs> where every week or every couple of months, right, you you kind of change tracks and decide, ah, oh, this is the thing I want to work on. Especially when you you get started, you don't realize how many options there are in real estate. It, it's truly incredible the number of ways uh, there are to invest in real estate, and they all have uh, relative advantages and disadvantages. For my purposes, you know, you kind of read my little bio there, you said, I don't deal with tenants directly. And that was a huge part of what was important to me and remains important to me is, is I don't want to manage properties. I never did. Um, that was one of the things that really held me back, or I used to, as an excuse to, to mm -hmm. hold myself back in the beginning is that 
you know, the only way I knew kind of knew how to do it, right. Was you go buy a house and you rent it out and then you go buy another one you rent it out and just do that. But I couldn't really get past that, uh, that thing of, I just, I just don't want to deal with tenants collecting rents and leaky toilets and all the stuff that comes along with it. Yeah. And in getting more involved and, and learning more about the options that are available, um, eventually I came upon syndication, which allows us to buy bigger properties and that, uh, that are valued on, basically commercial, you know, valued on the income rather than comps and things like that. Um, And maybe it goes back to that engineer liking numbers thing, but that, that really spoke to me a lot more than, um, than the more residential model. And um, I suppose on an emotional level, I have this, this one thing that sticks out in my mind. the first place I rented after I got out of college was just a, you know, it's just a tenant somewhere in this, this town home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Shout out if anybody's in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And uh, I was driving to work to a job that was, you know, a decent, a fine job, work with nice people, but I absolutely hated it. It was the wrong fit for me. Uh, driving in the morning and I drove, drove past the office on my way to the highway and sitting outside the office, I saw this, this Audi S7. And I love Audis, I love cars. Um, and I was like, I bet whoever drives that car owns this, this apartment complex. Cause sure. I'm sure nobody who lives in this apartment complex is driving that <laughs> S seven. And, uh, I think that once, once it kind of clicked, you can through syndication, you can buy apartment complexes. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys that says, you know, go buy apartments and you'll get an Audi in six months or whatever. <laughs> um, but once I, I clicked and I thought, I, I realized that i there's a good chance the person who drives that Audi and owns this apartment complex probably did it this way. I was like, that's what I want to do. So that's yeah. what I uh, chose to do. It's pretty powerful. I was explaining it to someone I remember in college and they're like, Oh, why do you want to be a landlord? And I go, you rent an apartment. They go, yeah. I go, how often is your landlord there? And they go, I don't know who it is. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, that was the simplest way of explaining to someone. And it's also like, um, you know, a couple of years after getting out of college, we went through the great recession or I did. Right. And you talk to people and they're like, Oh, you know, real estate's getting hit. I'm like, Oh, did your rent, de- did your rent go down? Did they decrease your rent? And they go, no. Oh, okay. So it's, there's so many things by the news and especially today with like every platform, there's a new platform every week and we get information. Most of the information, the majority of it uh, doesn't pertain to us and there's nothing we can do about it, but it's just put in our face. And um, I feel that, when you look at it and the real estate model over hundreds and thousands of years that it's worked in one way or another. And uh, it's just a, it's a great model, uh, especially with the, with multifamily, which is something that I know you and I focus on. So what were your first real estate investments? So my first investments were investment was a passive investment in an apartment syndication. Mm-hmm. Um, that was after I decided you know, syndication is the route I wanted to go and I wanted to do it actively but I also realized that, okay, there are a lot of steps between getting me from no real estate investing experience to buying apartment complexes. And, uh, you know, I, I went through a lot of, uh, you know, education, more formal, so to speak, and, and more self-education to learn what makes a good deal and a bad deal. And, okay, how can I find the money? You know, fortunately for me, I mean, I picked a relatively high paying profession and I have a very, uh, 
you know, I, I come from fortunate background, right? My, I went to a good school. My parents put me, put me through college, which I'm exceptionally grateful for. And then once I got out and I started earning money, I was very, very careful with that money mm-hmm. and immediately started investing. I invested in stocks and bonds. Uh, well, just stocks originally. So you know, I had a decent nest egg, you know, kind of saved up to get into uh, real estate investments. So yeah, two, two apartment complexes in Atlanta and uh, that kind of uh, didn't go as expected. <laughs> so to speak. Tell, tell us more yeah. why, what happened. Sure. Happy to uh, get into that. And, and <laughs> further, just before I dive into it, the, the, the sponsor has come on my show and we've discussed this in detail. So this is not secret. Right. Hmm. Um, but basically two, two apartment complexes in uh, the southern part of Atlanta. And the property manager, the person who owned the property management company, was brought in as a general partner on this deal, which means that he had, um, in my opinion, now more control than he should. But he, he was one of the, the principals kind of arranging the deal. And uh, over time, uh, it, it came out, the, the, the sponsor who put the whole deal together discovered that there were some things wrong with the numbers. And um, it's still not 100% clear to me exactly what keyed him in, but it looked like that, you know, we were being overbilled for repairs and gentleman was probably skimming money off the top because the mm-hmm. property manager, manager has a lot of control uh, over the finances if you, you know, if you let them have a lot of control. So um, once he discovered that sponsor discovered that, that he went through, you know, the whole legal battle and, and process to, uh, you know, revoke those the gentleman's general partnership shares, but also you have to go find new property management now. Yeah. Um, so there was a big arbitration uh, that that lasted years of you know okay so the guy thought you know he shouldn't have his general partnership shares revoked and you know all these other things yeah. and uh, we're the property has been sold we ended up making money fortunately but I think in many ways if we hadn't been in a you know, rising tide type of market yeah. where it's just been good to be a real estate investor for the last uh, little bit over a decade. We might have lost money. You know, they didn't they didn't cash flow, and uh, you know the cap rates kept compressing. Yeah. And uh, toward the end of it, a little bit, a few months before um, the properties were sold, they were sold a couple of years ago now. Uh, the the gentleman who ran the property management company ended up seemingly taking his own life and leaving a a widow and children behind that we were in litigation with. And, and fortunately the property manager is a property manager. The sponsor uh, is a good guy and, and really try to make them whole and, and make it, you know, not too, hopefully not too painful through the arbitration process. And it's all over now, but uh, (laughs) it's a big mess. Wow. And that's something because it would have been a lot easier of a process if you did not, if not you, if the general partners had not partnered with the property manager. So the thing was that there's, you, you hear in syndication all the time, just listeners and anybody else is that when you're trying to put together your deal and in the beginning uh, for a first syndication deal, and you need all these different people that you might not have, you don't have experience, you don't have money, you don't have uh, all this, all this stuff. And so they're like, oh, partner with your broker, right? Your real estate broker that's bringing you the deal. And then he can, t- you know, roll some of his commission in. 
uh, partner with your property manager, partner with uh, this other person over here. And you partner with all these people, but the problem is you can't get out of it. It's difficult. I mean, when you're switching property management, it's much simpler. You know, you have this, if it's, you know, if it's uh, an annual contract up front that renews every month or every, every year, and you can kind of cancel within 60 days and you should have be on that checking account. And it's a much easier, it's difficult, trust me. Cause I mean, you're going to have hundreds of units um, that are probably controlled by that person. Right. And you have to move everybody, but you don't have to go to arbitration. Hopefully um, you don't have to go into a litigation route. So it's with anybody you partner with, whether you're passive or active, I mean, how important it is with this story that shows, you know, everybody has to be in alignment and the person that's managing the deal actually has to know what the hell they're doing, uh, which in this <laughs> situation, I guess, didn't, right? Well, you know, I, I the again, the sponsor's been on my show and he's got yeah. probably well over five, maybe 6,000 units by now. And uh, he's done very well. I know he was in, in other deals. Um, but the property manager, that, yeah, the sponsor. Oh, the property manager, sure. The sure. property manager wasn't handling it. And the sponsor's a sponsor. I mean, obviously, yeah. they've made everybody whole and they, you know, everything when they were lucky that where they bought it from and everything worked out well. But the property manager, you know, them partnering with that property manager, I mean, that person obviously did not have the expertise to manage that. And the property manager is the most important piece, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've, I've talked with other folks who have kind of gone that route and, and given either ownership or maybe more control, more sway to their, their property manager. And I've never seen it work out. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it has. Right. And, and that's not the same as, you know, you see a lot of, especially larger sponsors now starting their own property management company. It's a completely different story. They control yeah. the whole thing. You know, they're in charge. Um, you still have to have a lot of trust and faith in that sponsor, but it's not like you have competing incentives uh, there like you might with with the property management. And um, yeah, I mean, I think you said you mentioned about you know controlling accounts. I mean, that's I know folks that that's been a big problem for who've had to terminate property managers. And in in my deals, we've never had to other other than this, right? We, we've never had to fire a property manager, fortunately, and it's still not something that I. I want to deal with, but, um, if it does get to that point, you want it to be as, uh, minimally invasive as possible. I mean, there's, I don't see there's any way that it could be smooth. Right. But, um, you know, there's, there's just so many horror stories out there. Of, you know, we said we were firing them, you know, showed up, said, get out of the office. And they were already, they knew they were already shredding documents and stuff. And, oh, wow. I've, I've heard those stories and mm -hmm. it's, it's never going to be clean, but um, hopefully you can at least keep it, you know, professional. Yeah. 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 That's just, that's, uh, I mean, that's kind of the nature of, uh, of the business where you're going to have people that you, uh, it doesn't work out working with. But um, yeah. it was interesting. I, I spoke to one other sponsor before and they were telling me on one of their first deals, mm -hmm. they partnered with their broker that brought them the deal and the broker mm -hmm. didn't buy in or become part of the general partnership in his own name. He started a LLC and got into the property. And then what he did later on was he sold his share of the LLC. So that sponsor is now in business with someone he doesn't even know because they, you know, mm -hmm. they was like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll roll my commission back in. Well, he rolled it back in, but then he wanted to extract it. And that's, he knew from the beginning, obviously. So now you're in business with someone. It, there's so many different ways, I mean, <laughs> that you have to just, 
it's like you just have to know who you're in business with and you have to make sure the problem there was that that sponsor should never have brought someone in that didn't have the same mentality. If this guy wants a commission and that's it, right? He doesn't want to become a syndication uh, superstar or whatever, right? So the thing though is that with that with that happening, it's like it's just crazy. You just have to know everything what's interesting, interesting. So you you started off as a passive investor. How did that help you when you went to the active role and active investor? Was the passive investor you were working with, were you pretty in, in were you, did he kind of, uh, was he pretty involved with you with telling you what was going on and you were kind of learning the ropes or? So uh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, in learning the ropes, I have, I have a, a coach slash okay. mentor. Um, and, you know, the, the sponsor of that particular deal, I mean, he provided, you know, financials and everything and, and would let us review uh, but I, of course, want to be respectful respectful of his time. I mean, I was not a, a whale investor coming into yeah. his deals, and I, I didn't want to, you know, use more time uh, than than I think yeah. I'm reasonably uh, entitled to as someone who has invested capital with him. There's, I think, there's some right, but there's uh, certainly a limit. So I was respectful of his time, but you know, I, this that particular experience, you know, that that so to speak horror story. I mean, like I said, we still made money, but but. I think that was almost an, an accident that we made money, but um, <laughs> that was a great learning experience, right? Because it's, it's one of those things where, you know, uh, fool me once versus fool me twice. Okay. Well, hopefully I never get, get fooled in that way again, whether it's in a deal that I'm a passive investor in, or more importantly, a deal that I'm sponsoring and, you know, I have investor capital involved because that's a whole, you know, that's a whole other set of problems, yeah. you know, that, that I, I'm, I'm, I can handle losing my own money, but you know, investor money is a, a another uh, set of uh, responsibilities. Oh yeah. It's a whole different thing. The, so let's talk about that. So how do you find the sponsors and how do you vet them now um, that you want to partner with where you're obviously bringing your own money into, but you're going to have investors money. And uh, you know, how do you do that? I do a, a lot of networking. So I, I've got a bunch of ways, right? And we, we find ourselves here in uh, 2021 at the hopefully tail end of the pandemic. So uh, in-person networking should hopefully resume again. I see some of it happening. I feel like it might be a little reckless still at this point. I don't know. I'll have the second vaccine uh, in a week and a half, but myself and more people are getting vaccinated. But pre-pandemic, I mean, going to uh, conferences in person and making that initial connection and then just continually following up, right. And, and seeing who, who you think you can work with well and, and who has kind of the same goals and hopefully has ethics and the right experience um, that you want to partner with. And Hey, how can I add value to you? And, you know, it's, it's obviously a two way street. How can I help them and how can they help me grow my business, right? Because we, we need to be mutually beneficial. Um, I also, uh, again, pre-pandemic, run a, a networking event meetup in, in my city of Richmond. If anybody's in Richmond, you're certainly welcome to join us. Um, that's gone online. I've got my own podcast and you know email list. And that all, that that's not necessarily for sponsors, but that shows other sponsors who I know that, hey, I'm, I'm serious. I'm in this business. It's all showing that the the brand is there and you know i'm i'm qualified to to partner with folks and you know i'm very um i'm very slow to get into any kind of business partnership you know i, I think 
folks in this um some folks in this space are really um I don't want to say fast, but a lot faster than me at, at mm-hmm. partnering with others. And um, that ain't that ain't me. <laughs> yeah, that's a safe way of I'm doing sorry. it. I like to when I'm talking to sponsors, uh, usually will sometimes uh, passively invest with them first. I just like to see how the communication goes. And uh, I like to review the underwriting and kind of see and it's a very small network of I mean, real estate investing uh, commercial, which was what we are in commercial multifamily and other assets. It's not that large of a uh, of a business of a network, right? It's very pretty small, and you talk to someone, and they're going to know someone that you probably just go off the phone with. And so, um, you just have to be careful about uh, make sure you treat everybody right, which you always should. But it's also one of the things too is that um, who you're getting involved with, right? And uh, I think the same thing, like you said, a lot of newer people in syndication, um, they're raising a lot of money. And they're partnering with a lot of people. And I just got off the phone with someone yesterday about that. And I'm like, so they're like, oh, I'm working with this group for the last two months or something like this. And we're doing, and you know, you don't want to, I'm, you know, I'm not anybody's coach or mentor for this person. So it doesn't, you know, but you're like, how did you, how did you vet them? You know, just because you heard them in a Facebook group and now you're with them. And I think a lot of that goes, goes on and it's not the best way of doing it, but um, so t- tell us about the structure of your business. What, you know, what assets are you looking for? What is your company's role when you're acquiring them? Sure, absolutely. So as far as um, assets we're looking for, I mean, historically, it's been multifamily apartment mm-hmm. buildings, um, over 100, 100 units, hopefully, you know, bigger than that 150 plus is is ideal. I like the southeast. And, uh, you know, my company's role is, I mean, we do work on asset management, due diligence, um, bring capital to the table. And there are a lot of you know, laws and, and regulations around that as well. Um, so we're not specifically compensated for that, but, you know, involved in, in bringing the, the property to close and then helping it get from close to disposition really is, is where I'm involved and, and moving forward, you know, uh, again, you mentioned at the top that I've, I've done some storage investing. I started as a passive investor there to first to get diversification. I mean, I've read about storage and you know, the interesting kind of market dynamics there, but I never, I guess maybe I never really believed before I get into it that people, people will pay a hundred bucks a month to put their crap in a garage mm-hmm. that we own. I was like, I was a little skeptical about that because you know, I, I never say never, but I can't really see myself ever using a storage unit. I was talking to someone the other day. Like I said, I, I like cars, um, but where we live in the city, I just I don't have the parking to have a toy car. I mean, you know, I've got my my you know daily driver type of car, but I don't have the space to have a toy. And they were saying, "Oh, just go, you know, buy a toy. You can afford it and rent a storage unit. It's only hundred bucks a month, or you get a smaller one for <laughs> sixty bucks a month." And I was like there isn't no chance in the world. <laughs> I was like, I'd, I'd rather own the storage than rent the storage. But um, anyway, through the, the COVID pandemic, um, we've kind of obviously seen a, a regulatory shift in terms of evictions and, and our ability to collect. And fortunately for our properties, it hasn't been a major disruption. One of our properties has actually set collections and occupancy records for mm-hmm. the whole time, the years that we've owned it. Um, through the pandemic, it's continued to to rise in collections, and it's because our property manager and the, and the gals on site are just 
awesome. Totally awesome. Um, but you know, I, I see, I see the winds shifting in a more, I don't want to say permanent way, uh, in that regard, but I think in, in a more long-term way too, you know, as we, mm-hmm. as we talk, the CDC eviction moratorium was extended until June, the end of June, I believe of 2021. And I'm not a betting man. I hate gambling. I've played blackjack once. My buddy helped me. And my, I made a, and I made 60 bucks and that was the end of my gambling career. He lost money. I made money. He was sitting right next to me. So, you know, I, I buy him drinks when I see him, but um, if I were to, to place a bet on it, I see it only getting more difficult uh, to to collect on rents and and to you know pursue those rents. Combine that with I don't want to say an overheated market in multifamily, right? Because you don't know what the future holds. But I mean, cap rates are at all time lows. Interest rates are also at all time lows, and that that spread is actually fairly high compared to historically. Um, but just with all those kind of factors combined, I have begun to shift my focus to more alternative assets, specifically self-storage is really my thing right now. And, I, and I'm digging into that. I don't see myself ever going mobile home park route. It's it may be, um, but to get back to, I'd mentioned shiny object syndrome previously, you know, I always had that in the forefront of my mind that, okay, I'm, I'm committed to, making this shift. So, mm. you know, that's what I'm doing. So currently I'm working on uh, marketing to, to storage owners and, uh, you know, we're to see where that goes. Nice. Happen. Nice. Nice. Yeah. With the CDC and what we have going on now for the administration, I feel that, um, it's definitely going into 2022 and, uh, I mean, it might even go longer. I don't know, but I think there's holes being poked in that in certain States, like a lot of the States that we invest into landlord friendly States, um, so I see that not being as strong now as it was a year ago or several mm-hmm. months ago, let's say, but, um, that's a kind of a whole different subject there. But so how are you able to manage everything remotely? Like, do you have, what, how's your team for your specific business? And, um, how does that, when you're assisting other of your co-sponsors when taking down deals? Yeah. So, I mean, we've got, you know, investor portals set up and everything. And I, I think, you know, right now they, they, fortunately more and more options have uh, come on the market. And kind of when I started, there were, there might've been a couple of investor portal um, products out there, but that has fortunately grown over time. And that um, they're very, they're really, they were very expensive back then too. Yes, absolutely. And and they've gotten, um, I don't want to say cheaper, but they've gotten less expensive yeah. or, or less expensive options have come on. And the real advantage there, yes, it helps you scale. But to me, the real advantage is, is security, cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you and I both know uh, people who have lost money and well, whose investors have lost money to, to wire fraud. The, uh-huh. One of the more common attacks is they hack one party's email. Uh-huh. Hackers hack one party's email and put a script in place so that it intercepts wiring instructions and then injects the hackers wiring instructions. And then the unsuspecting investor receives those wiring instructions, doesn't check them, and then wires 25 up to hundreds of thousands, up to hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, to a fraudulent account. And, and for, for us regular guys, that money's gone. 
that happened to uh, Barbara Corcoran from Shark mm-hmm. Tank. Uh, yeah. I think probably about two, maybe two and a half years ago now. She got her money back, but she's a shark and, you know, we're not. So we're not getting that money back. And and um, so I think those are those are really critical, you know, for our our, our property managers all have, you know, the, the critical software packages in place and we do much monthly financials and read through those. And, you know, for my for myself, you know, I'm still I'm still a small guy. Um, I've been working on hiring a, an executive assistant for mm-hmm. maybe the last month, yeah. month and a half. I had a few people uh, come on and try out and unfortunately they haven't worked out yet. I'm still yeah. working on finding the right one. But um, for my team, that's, that's really number one, uh, my, my number one priority. And um, you know, the, the planning aspect of that is probably the most difficult, maybe not the most difficult part, but, you know, balancing, how can they help me grow, you know, find more opportunities, network with more investors, but also when's that critical point where, okay, now I need to be handling a hundred percent of everything because, you know, I'm, I'm not at a point where I'm going to be uh, trusting an executive assistant with investor information yeah. or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm holding that because again, to me, security is, is number one. Right. And, um, so it's going to be a while till I have, uh, yeah, I think folks that I feel are to the caliber that they can handle sensitive information. Yeah, for sure. And that's something that um, using the portal kind of you, you avoid a lot of people in the general partnership, having a lot of personal information and people on their team by using the portal as well. Cause it's not an email going back and forth or scan documents. I mean, uh, never trust any wire instructions you have emailed to you. And that's the great thing about the portal too, cause you're looking through a subscription agreement the booklet and you get down and there's actually the wire information there and you can verify it's the law office uh, where you're sending it to or whatever it might be the escrow account. So um, that's awesome. Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of great information. So, so is there anything else that you want to impart on our, uh, on our audience before uh, we let you give uh, all your contact information? Oh, was a, well, thank you very much. That's a great question. Um, I suppose I would follow up to that statement of you're in the portal, reading the subscription documents to see the wiring instructions in there, still call the sponsor and make sure that's the right number. Yeah. It, it takes you not even five minutes and hopefully you know the sponsor well enough to know their phone number <laughs> and what their voice sounds like. And if it's a five minute call that could maybe save you a few hundred thousand dollars, I'll make that call every day. I'll take yeah. that call every day. And I hope, you know, your listeners uh, would do the same. And, uh, you know, I, this is a, you have a very international show and, and I definitely uh, uh, appreciate that. And, and if there's anyone uh, out there listening who, especially Europe, maybe Eastern Europe, wants to meet up and chat sometime, I've been looking for a reason to make a trip over there. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll sit down in Croatia or whatever and uh, have a coffee. But uh, nice. yeah, I wanted to thank everybody for, uh, for tuning in today and wish you all, all the best of luck in buying some, you know, cash flowing real estate. Yeah. We have a bunch of investors or uh, we have a bunch of listeners. We have some investors from Eastern Europe, but uh, Central and Eastern Europe, you'll love it over there. Um, all different areas. I love it. I've uh, spent months at a time over there. I have a really good friend, business partner and investor now that is over in Serbia area. So it's, um, it's definitely a very, it's very nice. It's a very up and coming area. And uh, that's going to be someplace possibly for investing in the future. Who knows? But um, so give us your information, your contact information, your websites and stuff, and I'll put it all into the show notes. 
Sure, we'll do. So my kind of main place that, that y'all can find me is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. You can find that show at PassiveWealthStrategy.com. It's a podcast, probably fairly similar to yours. We, we talk about real estate investing and wealth generation with a passive investor bent. I'm trying to help people escape the Wall Street casino <laughs> and invest in real assets on Main Street. If folks want to reach out directly, my email is taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, at passivewealthstrategy.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Passive Wealth Strategies with underscores in there. And um, yeah, I want to, again, thank everybody for, for tuning in today and uh, hope we can connect and, and maybe we can do some business together. Yeah. Hopefully uh, people will reach out to you and uh, make more than your $60 in blackjack at that casino. And uh, hopefully <laughs> we can connect here in the future when uh, it, everything opens up again. Absolutely. I do have a, a giveaway on my website. Uh, it's the top ways to escape Wall Street and invest in Main Street. You go to the website, it's just a, a pop-up. And that'll that'll send you, again, this is my opinions, but the top ways to get out of the Wall Street casino and invest in real assets, real businesses. Uh, it's not just, uh, not just real estate syndication, although, spoiler alert, that is one of them. Obviously, I believe in it because it's what I do and it's what I invest in. But it's not the only thing out there. It's not the only way to invest in real estate. And uh, here to help everybody figure out what's right for them and move down that path. Well, thanks a lot, Taylor. Also on his website, there's a whole strategy page there about uh, finding your goals, knowing your goal, your goals, your whys, your and kind of focusing, not doing the shiny penny thing. And um, yeah, so sounds great. Thank you very much and look forward to talking to you in the future, man. All right. Thank you, Charles. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi guys, it's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at ScheduleCharles.com. That's ScheduleCharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars, LLC, exclusively.